the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. These twelve disciples Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. The Gospel of the Lord. What I'm noticing in this gospel reading is how Jesus saw the crowd and how everything that came after flowed from this. How Jesus saw the crowd was as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That is, he saw that the problem was around them. The problem was not them. I mean, maybe you remember uh, this uh, mantra that I taught to the uh, uh, kids, this is a little while ago, uh, maybe a long while ago, in a children's sermon. People are people. Problems are problems. People are not problems. You could repeat that after me. People are people. Problems are problems. People are not problems. I mean, this is part of how Jesus saw the crowd, it seems crystal clear to me. And you can stop and think about how, how many options there are for how people could have seen that crowd, other people perhaps seen that crowd. How do we look at crowds in, in our nation or our, our world? How do we look at the masses, quote unquote? I mean, of all of the options, it really just comes down to two options. Either they're people or they're problems. Jesus's compassion flows from seeing them as people, people who are harassed and helpless. And so all of the care that Jesus gives is rooted in that. His, his teaching and training them, his giving them 
preaching assurance about where God is in their lives and God's love. And not just words, but actions, food, health care, communities, safe communities. This is what Jesus offers. You know, we are often very unaware about how, how the way we see people influences the way that we treat them or behave with them. A researcher did this uh, experiment once with lab mice, two groups of lab mice, exactly the same in every way, the same kind of lab mice here as over here. But this one, he brought in a group of assistants and said, hey, you guys, your job is to take care of these mice. These ones are the smart ones. He brought in another group of assistants to take care of this group of mice. He said, you guys, these are the dumb ones. And then he left, let them take care of the things. And then they did all the stuff that lab mice and assistants do. You know, the mice had to uh, solve little puzzles and run uh, mazes and the assistants timed them and fed them and, you know, cared for them. And guess what? The mice called smart did better in all of those little tests and things than the mice called dumb. It wasn't any kind of a psychic energy. It was care given versus care withheld. The ones, the, the assistants that thought their mice were the smartest, they, they fed them and gave them water and gave them touch and were gentle and all of the things that these mice needed to succeed, to thrive. These assistants didn't care as much about their mice because they were dumb. They knew they weren't gonna succeed or they, that's how they were thinking. And so they withheld that care. And that's what created a better and a worse. You know, I think this is what is at stake in so much of the, uh, the, the difficulty in our country right now, all across the country. I mean, whether it's coronavirus or police brutality, you know, the fact that um, if you're black, you're three times more likely to die of coronavirus. That's about withholding care over centuries and generations. If you're black, you're three times more likely to be killed by a police officer. Again, that's about how do we see people? I mean, I think what is at stake in the vision of the world that many people are protesting for, a vision of the nation, is that we would be a nation that we are each other's keepers, that we are our brothers and sisters keepers, that we are all neighbors, that we are people, all of us, and that no one is treated like a problem. I mean, there's the whole, uh, <clears throat> the old adage, if. If all you've got is a hammer, then all the world seems like a nail. You know, if all you've got is force and a gun, if all if all the all we can deploy to create a better society is violence, then we're going to look out on our society and see a lot of people who need to be dealt violence. I mean, the police are responding to protests about police brutality with more brutality. But what if we saw people as people, 
and not as problems. What if we based our whole society around that? People are people and problems are problems. I mean, we talked last week about nonviolence. Jesus has trained his disciples in nonviolence, just as he practiced nonviolence. Not going to cross that line. Here's a line we're not going to cross. We're going to give all the care we can give and practice no violence, force no one. That's the model that Jesus offers us, that he offered his disciples. And what if, what if our whole nation, what if it was that our nation was non-violent? What if we decided there's a line we will never cross, not with anyone, not with George Floyd, not with anyone? That's the kind of world that I want to live in. I mean, when I was a kid, <clears throat> um, well, fast forward, I, when I was an adult, I was learning how to treat myself. And I had a therapist who was coaching me. <clears throat> I was seeing all these kind of behaviors in myself that I did not like. And so I would punish myself. And she said, change the way you're thinking here. Change the way you see yourself. Because when you see those behaviors, you think, I'm a problem, not a person. But just look at it this way. Those are signs, those behaviors that you see are signs that you're hungry or tired or in pain. Address those things and don't punish yourself. Give yourself the grace of a bad day and trust that tomorrow is going to be better. This, I'm still learning how to do this. I'm 40 years old and I'm still learning how to love myself. Maybe you are too. But the same is true in learning to love other people. I think I told the story before about schools that have stopped punishing students for acting out in class, but instead sent them to the nurse instead of to the principal, gave them an option. Do you want to eat a, a, a hard-boiled egg or a cheese stick? And that has reduced the amount of punishment that they used, and it reduced the amount of problems that kids are causing in the classroom. Treating people like people instead of problems we're so often unaware of how we are generating the, the very things that we don't like. I am convinced that when police show up in riot gear, they prime the crowds to respond in kind, as if there is a riot. I was just hearing a story the other day about a uh, a guy who owned a number of bars, he managed a number of bars, and he had to uh, hire um, bouncers, you know, people who were there to kind of help keep the peace um, when people get rowdy. And uh, when he first started out, he would hire the, the kind of biggest, the beefiest, the most intimidating looking people he could. But after a number of years of experience, he realized that was part of the problem. When, when, People are drunk and acting like idiots. Somebody who is big and intimidating is a challenge. 
When you've come in the door and before you can get in the door, you have to go past this big intimidating person that just primes people to fight. So he changed his tactics. And instead of hiring the most intimidating looking people, he hired average looking people. And instead of escalating the situations, those new folks de-escalated it, just in the, partly because of their own selves. It's also true in my own, when I try to be a parent, if when my kids are bouncing off the wall or not calm or yelling and screaming or throwing things or hitting, etc., when I'm at my best, I try to make myself calmer instead of more I don't match their energy level or else I'm putting fuel on the fire and just push them higher and higher. If I come out yelling and screaming, then they yell and scream even louder. The way to go is getting calmer. And that's a, that's a, that's a based out of this, how do I see this child in this moment? Is, it, is my child a person, my beloved son or daughter, or a problem? Do I need to use my hammer? or find another tool in the toolbox. Our society needs more tools in our toolbox. Ways to, to give care instead of withhold care. Creating infrastructures of care. This is what Jesus is doing when he trains people to do what he did. When he sends his disciples out to, to there's really no difference between what Jesus was doing before this and what he sends his disciples to do. When he says, hey, you guys, go, uh, proclaim the good news and cure the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. That's just a, a laundry list of all the things Jesus was doing before. And when Jesus trains people and sends them out to do the same thing that Jesus was doing, now he's multiplying. He's going from one person to 12 people, 13 if you include Jesus, and now there's infrastructures of care instead of just one person who cares. I want a world where we are multiplying the care. And so when I hear the slogan, defund the police, at first I didn't know what that meant, but then I looked at it. I encourage you to do the same. Defund the police is about taking money out of buying hammers and putting money into buying other tools for our society's toolbox. So that when what people need is mental health care, they get mental health care. Or when, when they need food, when they need housing, when they need other things that make their lives stable uh, and safe so that they can act stable and safe. It's kind of not rocket science. I mean, the behaviors that we say we want to see in society are not conducive with sending someone with a gun who's been trained to use force into every situation. I've talked to St. Paul people who have had this experience of not needing somebody with a gun, but needing care. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of police officers, a lot of people who care a lot about police, who know that we've been hanging too many hangers on the police, you know, expecting them to be the, 
the solutions to too many problems. So I'll say one last thing about this part about go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. I mean, again, let's trust that Jesus is seeing not just this one crowd, not just this crowd of Jewish people, but the whole world with the same kind of people are people and not problems, the same kind of love and compassion. This is not a sign of prejudice. It's just a sign that we all got to start somewhere, and that somewhere was Israel for Jesus' disciples. It's a response to the immediate need that was in Israel and not a prejudice against these other people. Let's not hold this verse up as an excuse to just take care of our own and take care of nobody else. But we know historically, and even Matthew uses the phrase, that that's how the mission of Jesus spread. It went from Israel to Samaria to places beyond the ends of the earth. That's how, that's how Luke says it, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's a natural progression as leadership is built up and capacity is built up to go farther and farther. So, you are a person and not a problem. And I, Jesus invites us to um, love ourselves as much as our neighbors and love our neighbors as much as ourselves and to love even our enemies. This is what we see Jesus do on the cross. God had all this power at God's disposal and laid that aside in Jesus and instead just gave it away to us, that life, that love, which are the real powers in this universe. So let's take our cue from Jesus. And before we get overwhelmed about the size of a problem, before we get overwhelmed and feeling like we're not enough or there's not enough good people out there, pray Jesus' prayer. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are a few. Jesus doesn't get bitter or overwhelmed or apathetic. He prays. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Maybe we can be unified in that prayer to ask the Lord of the harvest and then go out ourselves as Jesus sends us to give care and not withhold it. Thanks be to God.